Glad to have all of you here with us for our service this morning. Can I remind you of something this morning? We serve a God who never fails. You will fail. You probably already have. Maybe you did today. I will fail. People will fail you. But God never fails. The Bible says in Isaiah 14 and verse 24, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Or I love what it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 where it says, Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. As we continue to walk through these days together, as there's much uncertainty still in front of us, remember who you're serving. Remember who your God is. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the children of Israel as they left Egypt? They'd been in captivity for some 400 years or close to that. And after God had performed all those plagues and the Pharaoh had said, all right, finally you can go. They go out into the wilderness. They think they're finally free. They have this huge march. They're headed to the promised land. And then they're trapped at the Red Sea. It feels like that serving God sometimes, doesn't it? God's got this plan. He's working it together. Everything's happening. There's momentum. There's positive uh, motion going forward. And then all of a sudden, there's the Red Sea. And you got the Red Sea in front of you and the enemy behind you. And you're trapped in and hemmed by the cliffs all around. And there's nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. And, and we ought to turn and look up because that's the only place we should be looking anyway, right? The children of Israel looked to the Lord. Moses cried out to him, and, and we know the story. God parted the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground. And at the same time they walked through on dry ground, they get to the other side. God uses that same parting of the Red Sea to then destroy their enemies. You say, God still does things like that? I believe He can, and I believe He does. So I haven't seen a Red Sea part. I've seen God continue to be faithful. He never fails. Imagine Paul and Silas, they have been working hard and preaching the gospel, doing what they're called to do. And what happens? They get thrown in prison. It wasn't Paul's first experience there. He, he spent quite a bit of time in prison for preaching the gospel. But I'm thankful for the time that God had him spend in prison because some of the most precious books of Scripture he penned as he was locked inside those jail cells, perhaps chained to a Roman guard or there under house arrest. He writes these wonderful letters of encouragement and, and faithfulness and challenge to Timothy and to Titus to stay faithful, to continue to do what God had called them to do. Why? Because we serve a God who never fails. Think of Peter. That night as he was locked in a prison cell. And remember the whole church had gathered to pray for his release. They were all gathered in the house and they're praying and praying that God would release him. And God sends an angel and Peter is able to walk free. The people were so surprised that when Peter showed up to the house and he knocks on the door saying, I'm here, I'm out, let me in. Nobody was listening. Nobody was paying attention. And when the young lady, Rhoda, came and said, 
Peter's really at the door. They thought she was crazy. It shouldn't surprise us when God does something special. It shouldn't surprise us when God continues to win, when He continues to move things forward, when He continues to fulfill His purpose, because we serve a God who never fails. God's always going forward. He's never in retreat. He's always fulfilling His purpose in our lives. I think the greatest story of the victory of our Lord was when those Roman soldiers came to take Him and they hung Him on a cross and they crucified Him. Can you imagine what His mother Mary and His disciples must have thought as they saw the one, the, the promised Redeemer, their promised Savior, hanging on a cross and he, and he died and gave His life. And those next three days probably were some of the hardest days as Jesus lay in the tomb. All of the excitement, all of the thrill, all of the miracles, all of the things didn't seem as real anymore, didn't seem as special anymore. They were just memories. And yet, you know the story. On the third day, He rose again, triumphant, over the grave, over sin and over death. And He's now, some 40 days after that, He ascended up into heaven and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. We serve a God who never fails. That's why it's so important as we go back to our text this morning in the book of Colossians, as we consider a God who never fails, that we look at verse 17 together and we see this God who continues to fulfill His purpose and because of who God is and because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we read about in Colossians 3 and verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, He's commanded us then to live in a particular way. So let's look back at Colossians chapter 3 this morning. I want to go back just a little bit and start in verse 12 and read down through verse 17. Verse 17 is where we're going to focus this morning. But you'll see that verse 17 is kind of a, a summation of all of the previous portion of this chapter. So let's back up a bit. Beginning in verse 12, the Bible says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things... Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I think, very simply, the level of gratitude in our heart towards what God is doing is a wonderful indicator as to whether or not we are trusting in God or trusting in ourselves. If you're in a situation right now and you say, I just don't think I can be thankful right now. It's because you've taken your eyes off the Lord. We sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. If you find yourself in a place with no gratefulness in your heart, it's 
Probably a good indicator you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. He says, and be ye thankful in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Here in Colossians chapter 3, we really have a prescription or a series of things that we are to be doing if we are going to grow spiritually as God wants us to grow. He tells us that because we're risen with Christ, we ought to seek those things above and there are some things we need to put off, some vices we need to put off and some virtues we need to put into our life. It's a recipe for spiritual growth. Now I'd like to illustrate that point this morning with my second favorite girl in all the world. So Carissa, can you come help Daddy for a minute? She's ready for this. We've already planned. She, she even got curlers in her hair last night, so she's ready to go. And uh, you look a lot nicer than me this morning. So this is my second favorite girl in all the world. My favorite girl in all the world was sitting right beside her. That's my wife, Shandy. And we're looking forward to celebrating 15 years of marriage next month. And we're thankful for our time together, thankful to serve the Lord together, and we're especially thankful for the fruit that God has given us in our children. Now, this is my only daughter, so she's extra special that way. She's my favorite daughter, I guess you could put it that way. But if we look at her and then you were to look at Shandy, you would say there's a lot of difference, and yet you can clearly tell that they're related. Now, Shandy is, is grown up, she's married, she's a mother, she's a wife, she takes care of so many things. And we would look at Chris and say, well, how is she ever going to get from six years old to where she's ready to be a, a wife and a mother and all these things? And there have been many books written on the subject, haven't there? Of course, the greatest book is the Bible on the subject of how to raise your children and take care of them. But there are many books that have been written on the steps that you need to take at various developmental stages for your children to help them come from here, which we sometimes teach. We say, we'd like to just freeze you right here. You know, daddies want to keep their girls close and don't ever grow up, don't ever leave them and all those things. That's our heart, but still we know it's better for them to follow God's will and do what God wants for them. And yet we would say there's a series of steps that Carissa will have to take in her life and that we as her parents have to help her take so that she can continue to grow. Obviously, there's nutritional needs, right? Because if you look at Shandy and you look at her, you say she probably has a lot of growing left to do. There's a lot of physical growth that still needs to happen. And so she's going to do a lot of things including eating a lot of food, to be able to grow physically like she needs to grow. There's going to be a lot of spiritual needs that she has as well, right? A lot of things she needs to learn from God's Word, a lot of truth that must be applied to her life so that she can go from being a wonderful six-year-old to hopefully someday being a, a wonderful mother and maybe even someday a grandmother. That's hard to imagine, isn't it, that you could be a grandma someday? She'll be a good one when she gets there, if the Lord tarries. But there's a lot of steps that need to be taken for her to arrive there. It's, it's normal for us to look at children and say, we understand how they grow and we understand how they become adults and it's a process and it's very important that you follow a good process, right? You don't just 
give birth to children and just stick them out there and say, well, good luck. The refrigerator's down the hall. The school bus will be here in a few years to pick you up. Get yourself ready. Now, I know as parents, sometimes you're tired and you're thinking, I wish sometimes it did work that way. For our homeschooling families, they're thinking, I wish these children could educate themselves. But it just doesn't work that way, does it? My wife understands. She's, she's a mother, a wife, a, a, a pastor's wife, and a teacher. She, we have a one-room schoolhouse at our house, and, and she's very busy doing all those things. There's a lot of things that our children have to learn to grow. So this is an illustration with Carissa and how she's going to grow to become, Lord willing, a woman who follows after God and who loves her children and, and leads them well and, and is, is submissive to her husband and all those wonderful things that we would say are good character qualities that need to take place in her life. We understand that. Thank you, Carissa, for your help this morning. But before we get too caught up in the cuteness of Carissa, it's easy to look at somebody else and say, here's the process that they need to follow to grow like God wants them to grow. Here, here's what they need to be doing to become the person that they need to be. Here's the food that they ought to eat. And you know how it is. Everyone is an expert on other people's children, right? Well, you know, your kids would be a lot better if you did this with them or didn't do that with them. And it's easy to be an expert on someone else's children. It's hard to be an expert with your own children, isn't it? And I would say even harder than that, it's easy to be an expert with someone else's spiritual life. It's a lot harder when it comes to your own spiritual walk with God. And here in Colossians chapter 3, this is going to be a simple message this morning. We've dug into a lot of the deep parts over the last few weeks. But as verse 17 really sums all this up, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. This is time for a spiritual checkup this morning. So you've come to the doctor's office, but this is not Dr. Pastor Will Cover's office. This is the great physician's office. Because ultimately, I don't have what you need. God has what you need. So this is not for you to come and say, well, do, what's pastor going to tell us? How is he going to fix our problems? No, this is for us to look at God's word this morning. Say, God, what do we need? Do an inspection of my heart this morning. As, as David cried out in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. I hope that you'll come this morning and as you consider this message with me, you won't consider so much how Carissa needs to grow or how somebody across the room from you needs to grow or maybe even that person sitting next to you. You know, it always feels good to have someone next to you in church that you can elbow when the point is really good and point at them like, uh-huh, are you paying attention? I would encourage you this morning, keep your elbows to yourself, socially distance, but spiritually focus on what our heavenly physician has for us this morning. Some of this, for some of you, if you've been listening to the messages the last few weeks, there's going to be some review. But I hope as we get together, we can in our minds say, all right, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, point out the things in my life that I need to be able to change to become more like 
you. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Help us as we look at this truth. Challenge us. Help us to quiet our hearts and our minds this morning. We need to hear from you, Lord. You have the answers. As one of the disciples said, Lord, you have the path to eternal life. Jesus said, He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by Him. Lord, help us as we consider what Christ has done for us. May we follow you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 3, very simply, all based on the premise that Christ rose again. We have that great conditional statement in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, then how are you supposed to live? And he goes in into the chapter beginning in verse 5 and then he talks about a number of vices, a number of things that need to be removed out of our life. I'm not going to take a long time with these you can go back and listen to the message from a few weeks ago, but I just want to read them to you quickly. He says that we are to mortify, verse 5, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These are the things that we are to be putting off, but these aren't the only things that he gives in this chapter. Verse 8 gives a more extensive list. He says, and now, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. There's a big list here. And if you were thinking of laying there in the doctor's office, he's just run his tests. He's taken the x-rays. He's done the blood work. He has the report sitting there in front of him, and now he's going to give you a report of the things that need to change in your life. Everybody loves going to their annual checkup, don't they? And going and hearing what the doctor has to say. Here's all the stuff that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, that you need to stop. You need to stop eating this. You, You need to stop putting this harmful substance into your body. You need to stop acting this way. You need to stop laying around all the time, right? There's a lot of things you got to stop doing. But then the doctor usually has a whole list of things that you need to start doing. You need to begin exercising. You need to begin eating this type of food. Clearly, you aren't getting enough vegetables in your diet. Clearly, there's some problems going on. And he may have this list of things that need to be dealt with. So he begins here in verse 5 and verse 8 and giving us this whole list of things that need to be cut out, need to be removed, need to be put out of our life. And these are important results. Because towards the end of this, verse 15, 16, and 17, he goes from focusing on the individual person and his needs and he begins to focus on the church as a whole. Understand the spiritual life cannot be lived. You cannot live it as an island unto yourself. Some people think, well, it's my life. It's my choice. I can do what I want. may be true to a point, but your choices have consequences for other people. 
We understand that when it comes to our medical choices, right? We've heard all, I mean, to ad nauseum during the last few months. If you're sick, stay home. If you have a cough, don't go out, cover your face, all those things, right? We understand that medically, but spiritually it's true. A bad attitude spiritually doesn't just affect you, it affects other people around you. Lying doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you. Covetousness, we could go down this whole list. All these things have an effect on you, but they have an effect on other people around you. That's why it's so important we heed what the physician tells us this morning. Your spiritual problems can and affect, can and will affect more than just you. You cannot sin in isolation and not have it affect others. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be cut out. And as you're laying there on that uh, spiritual examining table this morning, how are you doing? How's your checkup going so far? Say, well, you could be a lot meaner this morning, start picking on every single one of these things. I think we can trust the Holy Spirit to do that. I spent a lot of time on this a few weeks ago, about it's time to put off the grave clothes. It's time to take off these things, to put off this, to put these things to death. But as you look through this list, lying, blasphemy, covetousness, go on and on and on. If we take an examination of our heart, if you examine your life this morning, how are you doing so far? There may be some spiritual surgery that needs to take place in your life, some things that need to be cut out, some things that you need to remove out of your heart so that you can follow God with your life. But the Christian life isn't just a list of things that you shouldn't do. And that's why it continues on, not just the vices that need to be removed, but the virtues that must be added. And that's where it transitions in verse 12. He gives us a list of things that we need to put on. Put on, therefore, is the elect of God, holy and beloved. Here's the first one, vows of mercies. That we are merciful to others, that we give to others, that we help others in their need. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Humbleness. Humility. We are naturally prideful people, all of us are. I mean, don't look out for me. That, that's how people live. That's normal. That's human nature. But what did Jesus Christ say to His disciples when a couple of them came to Him and they desired to be the greatest? They said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can, can, in fact, they had their mother ask for them. We want to sit on your right hand. It's good to get your mom to you know, ask for special favors. Sometimes she gets better access, you know. But when Jesus heard this, he took a towel and he got down and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And he said that to be the greatest, you must become the servant, the servant of all. Jesus was a great example of that. He came and served his disciples not just by washing their feet, but He served all of mankind when He died on the cross for their sin. There's a whole list of things we must put on. 
Verse 13, forbearing one another, forbearance. All right. I know I have the right to take you out because of what you've done, but I'm going to have forbearance. Why? Because it's not about me, it's all about Him. Forbearing one another, and, oh, this is a tough one, forgiving one another. It says to put on forgiveness, and I look at this, that means it's not natural. You, you weren't just born forgiving others, just like you weren't born wearing clothes. He's using the analogy of putting things on. So this is something that must be added into your life. Those other things, you were born with all of those sins, all those vices. That's all stuff that must be put off. That's natural. That, that's what everybody comes into this world with. We're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Those are all things that must be put off, and they can be put off, not in your own strength, but in God's strength, if you are risen with Christ. Understand the starting point. This isn't starting with someone who's an unbeliever. This is somebody who's already been risen with Christ. Now these things can be put off. Now it's time to put on these other things. These things are not natural. We're not naturally humble. We're not naturally patient. We're not naturally given to helping others. We're naturally given to helping ourselves. So forgiveness is something that's not natural. It's something that's supernatural. It's something that God has done for us. And that's why He says that we can forgive others. The Bible doesn't say because they deserve it. He says, forgive others even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And then he finishes off in verse 14, And above all these things, put on. All right, again, not natural, but something that we ought to be putting on. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, when we think of charity, we think of maybe going down and, and giving some money to somebody who's in need. This word translated charity is helpful for us because it's not just love that is a selfish love. This is a self-sacrificing love. This is a love that's willing to give of itself, not expecting anything in return. A lot of times our love has a price, doesn't it? I'll love you as long as you love me back. I'm so thankful that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how He demonstrated His love to us. But God commended His love toward us, and even that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. What a great sacrifice of love Christ made for us to be willing to love you without any guarantee of the fact of whether or not you'd love Him in return. That's love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. But if you think about it, Christ's love was even greater than that because He died for His enemies. He says we must put on love, put on charity. And then he addresses three more things here that are addressed to the body as a whole. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Verse 15, verse 16, let the word of Christ rule in your mind. Verse 17, everything you say and do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's number three, the peace of God must rule in your heart. 
The peace of God comes from being at peace with God. So what does that mean? Well, until you're at peace with God, until you trust God, until you've walked with God, until you've experienced God's forgiveness in your life and you are at peace with God, then you can experience the peace of God. To be able to walk in difficulty and struggle and hard times, you say, how do people keep going even when everything seems to be falling apart? It's because they have the peace of God in their life. Where does the peace of God come from? It comes from being at peace with God. And then he says in verse 16, we are to be letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Here's this spiritual checkup. All right, sir, there's a lot of things that we need to cut out. Okay, ma'am, there, there's some things that we need to add into your life some things that you're missing out on, some things that are keeping you from full spiritual health, keeping you from growing to spiritual maturity. If Carissa was back up here, we would say, Carissa, there's some things mommy and daddy are going to do that are going to teach you, that are going to give to you, that are going to help you grow to become the young lady that God wants you to be. We're just still in the early years, but every single day is important. Every day of your spiritual life is important as well. If you really believe that God has a purpose for your life and that God is working to fulfill that purpose, then God doesn't have any time that He's wasting on you. So that means when you're going through good times, God's not wasting that time. He's using it for a purpose. When you're going through hard times, God's not wasting that time either. He has a purpose. You say, I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't like it. I don't like everything the doctors say to do either sometimes. But let's trust our heavenly physician to know better than we know what needs to be cut out and what needs to be put in to be the people that God wants us to be. Let's allow the peace of God to rule in our heart. Boy, you look at this world, there's no peace. Bible says that there are people crying for peace, 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 but there is no peace. Why? Because there's no peace without God. When there's no God, there's no peace. But if you know God, you can know peace. And we must allow God's Word to dwell in us richly. I, I think of this almost as like spiritual vitamins that we need to be taking, spiritual energy that we need to be taking into, spiritual nourishment that we need to have to help us to grow, to be like God wants us to be. And the evidence of that is that we would then begin to speak in wisdom and teach others as we sing. Isn't it great when you hear somebody sing and you say, they understand what they're singing about. We talked about that last Sunday. Being able to sing amazing grace when you've experienced God's amazing grace in your life. Being able to sing living by faith when you understand what it means to walk by faith. Being able to sing great is thy faithfulness when you've experienced God's faithfulness. Being able to sing nothing but the blood of Jesus when you've experienced the blood of Jesus that has washed away your sin. It changes how you sing because you understand what you're singing and why you're singing it. 
But that brings us really back to our text, and I want to finish this out this morning. Because after verse 17, the chapter makes a transition. He begins to get very personal into our relationship, dealing with wives and husbands and children and and your boss at work and, and how you serve at work and all these various things. And to me, the order is very important here. Because if you're risen with Christ, you've got to deal with your own self first. You've got to get the things out of your life that need to be taken out. You need to add the other things in so that you can continue to grow spiritually like God wants you to grow. You must have the right focus and the right purpose so that when it comes to your interpersonal relationship issues, you have a foundation to stand on. I would guarantee you that if you would look at anybody who's having a struggle with their marriage, anybody that's having a struggle with their children, anybody that's having a struggle at work, anybody that's having a struggle with other people in a church, whatever it is, and that's really what you get into in the rest of Colossians 3, you can go back to verses 1 through 17 and find the problem somewhere in there. It's sort of like if you were walking around and you had this horrible pain in your leg. I don't know what's causing this pain in my leg. And it just hurts every time you take a step. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you have that pain. I'm just pretending this morning. I'm getting older, but I'm not that old yet, so I'm still okay. One of these days, you'll laugh at me because I'll probably do something. I'll be on a cane or something too. So it just... Part of growing up, I know. But imagine walking around with a pain in your leg and saying, I don't know what's wrong with my leg. And then you go into the doctor's office and he takes an x-ray, he runs some tests, and he puts the things up on the light box for you to be able to see. And he says, see, here's the problem right here. You've got a fracture. Or here's the problem, you've, you've pulled this muscle. Or here's the problem here, you've got a, a torn tendon. And you look at that and say, thanks, doc. And then you go on about your business. Oh, man, I don't know why this leg keeps hurting. He just told you. The question is, are you going to do anything about it or not? But how many times do people treat their spiritual walk with God so different than their physical body? We can come and hear the prescription from our heavenly physician and go, thanks, doc. And then we go on our way, still frustrated still hurting, still wondering why we're having a problem. Because, and I think there's a lot of reasons for this. First of all, the flesh is weak. Secondly, the devil is very real. Sin is very powerful in our lives. But we often think that the cure is worse than dealing with the pain. Sometimes when people go to a doctor, even a physical doctor, they make that choice, right? Getting the physical fix, the physical cure is going to be worse than dealing with the pain that I'm in right now. So I'm going to choose to stay in pain. Folks, we serve a good God. We serve a God who knows, who cares, who has a purpose, and He's wanting to fulfill it in your life. So to walk around with spiritual pain and ignore the heavenly prescription of the great physician, 
is foolish, it's selfish, and it causes us to miss out on what God has for us. How sad to be limping spiritually when God wants you to be running spiritually. How sad to be stuck in a spiritual wheelchair when God wants you up doing spiritual jumping jacks. We don't have to stay in that spiritual place of struggle and pain. God's grace is sufficient. God can change your life. But in order for God to do His work, He's given you a free will. And you must turn over the reins of control to Him. Because as long as you're sitting in the spiritual doctor's office and saying, I hear you, doc, but I'm going to do it my way, you're going to walk out of there limping just like you came in. Well, I've tried that before. I'm not doing that again. Too painful. That's pride and that's selfishness and that's refusing to follow God's So he sums it up for us here in verse 17. And whatsoever you do. Notice he uses two words in this verse that really leave you no wiggle room. The first one is whatsoever. Whatsoever ye do. Oh, and just in case, because there's always some technical people who try to find where the edges are here. You know, well, how close can I get? And, you know, do I really have to follow all of this? And he, so he clarifies, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed, just in case you thought what you said didn't matter. It, it was just about what you did. So, so he expands it to include what you say. And then he adds another word, do here it is, all. There's no wiggle room here. There's no place where I can say, well, God, I hear your prescription. But you know, I've been doing some research on the Internet. And I like what you have to say. And I think I'll try that. But, you know, I've been, been reading this other doctor over here online, and he has a great YouTube channel. And, and he's been prescribing his own little self-help book. And I think that if I, you know, take what you're offering, but then I have some of that, it's the best of both worlds, right? Wrong. You say, well, I, it's important to research your physical body because the doctors don't know everything. I'll give you that. But that doesn't hold true in the spiritual world. Our spiritual doctor knows everything. He knows everything about your life. He knows everything about everybody's lives around you. And He knows exactly what you need to be the person that He wants you to be, to fulfill the purpose that He wants you to fulfill. That's why it requires, and that's the title this morning, a singular focus on our Lord Jesus. And whatsoever ye do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. There's a connection even clear back to verse 4 of chapter 3 where he says, When Christ, who is our life, Paul said it in Philippians chapter 1, For to me to live is Christ, but to die and to die is gain. So Paul's saying all of life is found in Christ. Everything I say ought to be for the purpose of glorifying Christ in the name of our Lord Jesus. Everything I do ought to glorify Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.31, a parallel verse to this says, And whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. God uses those big expansive words sometimes, doesn't He? All and whatsoever and everything. Wow. We're in our spiritual checkup this morning. The doctor has come in. He's taking a look at your life because he knows everything about it anyway. He's begun to point out some things in your life that say, and he says, these things need to be removed. But my grace is sufficient. I'll help you do it if you walk with me. He says, Here, here's some things that need to be added into your life. There's some things missing that are hindering your spiritual growth. And here they are. And just in case you weren't sure, I'm talking about all of your life, everything you say, everything you do, whatsoever. He even uses another word in here that I think is very instructive. He calls out that we should do it in the name of Jesus, but he uses a specific name for him. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because He's our Master. He's our King. That gives the idea of submitting ourselves to His leadership in our life. Do your words and actions lift up the name of Jesus? Or do they tear down the name of Jesus? Because if I'm to be doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, then that means everything I say, everything I do, ought to lift Him up. Ought to point others to Him. Ought to encourage people to grow spiritually and trust in Him. And if I'm doing things that detract from that, if you're doing things that turn people away from the Lord or cause people to question which side you're on, you're in sin. So let's review quickly. We already went through a list of things that need to be removed and another things, list of things that need to be added in. Did any of those jump out at you? Any of those you say, Phew, not the person next to you. Boy, they need to get this out of their life. Boy, they need to add this in. Not, well, Carissa needs to do all these things to be able to grow. It's so easy to do, isn't it? We just, we, we, we start kind of, Lord starts pushing down on us. The Holy Spirit begins to convict our heart. We start looking around and go, let me find somebody else to, to think about. No, how are you doing this morning? It's time for your spiritual checkup. Time for my spiritual checkup. And he finishes verse 17 by saying, once again, this is the third time in as many verses, give thanks. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. 
In, in verse 15, he says that when God's peace is ruling in our heart, that we should be thankful. In verse 16, he says, as God's word dwells in us richly, that we ought to sing with grace in our hearts. That's thankfulness and gratefulness to the Lord for what he's done. And in verse 17, he says that we ought to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and be thankful. Does it sound like a theme that he's repeating here? Be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Once again, I think the gratitude in your heart, the thankfulness in your heart, your ability to thank God for what you're going to going through is a great indicator of where you are spiritually and whether or not you're trusting in the Lord. Give thanks. So how was your checkup? Checkups can be painful sometimes, but they can be instructive and helpful. The first step in moving forward is to admit that the doctor's right and that you have a problem. And the great thing with our heavenly physician, he's not just over there saying, do this, do that. He's there as our father and our friend to come alongside of us and to help us. So confess. Confess to the Lord. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if, another conditional statement, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive. Let us be faithful to confess to Him. That's the first step, admitting you have a problem, admitting the doctor is correct. God, you know what I need. God, your word is correct. Confess to God. And then the second step is asking for help. God, I have a problem. I'm confessing my sin to you. God, I need your help now to live as you want me to live. People that are trying to get in physical shape, what do they do? They first admit they have a problem, right? <laughs> I need to get in better shape. And then many times they'll get somebody to keep them accountable, to help them to exercise like they should. People use social media for that a lot nowadays, like posting daily photos of themselves. I'd rather not see your sweaty selfies, just let, let you know. But but spiritually speaking, we need some accountability to help us grow. That's where the wonderful blessing of a church, of Christians helping Christians to disciple one another, to grow, to become like God wants them to be, is so powerful and so important in our lives. How's your checkup? Father, I pray that you'd help us as we consider your word. Help us to heed the prescription that you've laid out for us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray.